before we start today's show, I wanted to tell you about our newest Ringer podcast, Binge Mode. Binge Mode is a place where we dedicate ourselves to rewatching and giving you expert analysis on our favorite television shows. And it will come as little surprise to hear that the Ringer's collective favorite show is Game of Thrones. For the next six weeks, you can listen to the Ringer's Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, the Mother of Dragons and the Maester, as they deep dive into HBO's Game of Thrones. The first 10 episodes of Binge Mode are out now, and they cover the entire first season of Game of Thrones. Every Monday, we're going to drop another 10 episodes covering another season of the show. You can subscribe to Binge Mode now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, that was just audio from Mario Mandzukic's great goal for Juventus against Real Madrid in the Champions League final from this past weekend. We thought maybe Juve, the old lady, Brian, she we might were so close. She might come through, but instead Real Madrid becomes the first team to ever retain the Champions League. Uh, and here we are at the end of another dull and lurid year, <laughs> and it's soccer pod. And this is kind of the, you know, it's an end of the year look back, but more it's a transfer special, Ryan. And I think that the reason why we were gung-ho to do this is that in some ways the transfer, the offseason, right, the the hot stove league, the transfer market offers soccer fans almost more variance than the actual season does. It seems like it. <laughs> so there's a, you know, I read a review today in The Guardian of sort of the top European leagues and it. You know, the different writers, Paolo Bandini and Sid Lowe, went over the league that they covered and talked about how this sort of static nature of who's winning these leagues has a knockout effect, um, both in terms of the popularity of the game in their respective nations, but also uh, across the board in Europe. And, you know, Juventus has won six Serie A titles in a row, um, but the aside from the Atletico blip, Real and, and Barcelona have dominated the last ten years. Ten years of Spanish football. Bayern has survived the Dortmund insurgency and yeah. is now just I think five in a row. Five them. in a row. Um, and you know there is the the one place the richest league mm-hmm. is also the um, most unpredictable in a lot of ways. Although yeah. Chelsea has won two out of the last three league titles. Um, so we come into a summer where there's a lot of money floating around. Not only in England, you have. Uh, uh, Chinese takeovers of the two Milan teams. You have, um, you know, obviously Paris has a lot of money to spend. There's, there's exciting things happening in lots of different leagues with lots of different teams. And what happens is we get really excited about some of these transfer rumors, not only because they're just fun to talk about and they're so opaque that yeah. you, you, you never know what to believe. The thing is, you could probably go into Google and pick any team and any player, yeah. type both of their names, and you would find a Somebody transfer. somewhere for like the Daily Star has written yeah. a blog post suggesting that sources say Killian and Bob is interested in joining yeah. West Ham. Tribalfootball.com yeah, is my exactly. favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan and I are going to kind of go through some of the, the big storylines to watch out for this summer. Um, you've got, in England a particular, in particular, a really interesting situation where Two of the biggest clubs in the country are 
finished fifth and sixth this year, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Manchester United and Arsenal um, finished outside of the Champions League places. Yeah. Now, Arguably U- the biggest team in the world finished yeah. in sixth place. And they the certainly uh, they certainly spend like it. And then you've got teams like Liverpool who are f- coming back to the Champions League after a few years away and trying, I think, very early on in the summer to make a push to solidify their roster and and do what the hardest thing seems to be in the English game right now, which is to keep your spot mm-hmm. in the Champions League places and to keep that consistent revenue coming from uh, European football. Yeah. Because that's what's something that really helped Arsenal, right, for a long time is mm-hmm. when they moved to the Emirates. They've been in the Champions League for 20 years. And I think that we took it for granted. The top four was going to be the top four was going to be mm-hmm. the top four. And now there's so much instability there that the futures of these clubs are really up and up for grabs. Yeah, it's I think it's sort of like a tipping point in some ways. Like yeah. it's we're either we could maybe be entering an era where the top 4 teams or some version of the top 4 sort of cons- consolidates their place by signing the right players um, and continually succeeding or the other option is that like it's going to be chaos every year, and it's going to be like a rotating door um, of the teams that finish in the top four. And I think, like you're saying, this summer can probably have a pretty big effect on that. Yeah, I mean, you look at um, Guardiola is probably going to revamp Manchester City's roster. At least that's what. All I mean, in- they've already gotten rid of like half the team. Yeah, and he's brought in Bernardo Silva from mm-hmm. uh, Monaco. Yep. Uh, you've got Arsenal, who would you would think if they've given Wenger this new two-year contract, are going to spend really big to get back into the Champions League. And frankly, I think they should do what Manchester United did and try to win the Europa League. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's there are reports that they've bid upwards of 90 million pounds for Mbappe. And, and I saw that they're, they're considering going as high as 110 to 120 yeah. for him. Um, which I'm sure drives Wenger out of his mind because he's well, the kind of guy who's like, I could have gotten Mbappe for 350,000 euros. Yeah. Well, one of the the true, one of the things you can always rely on with soccer rumors is that like three years after a guy blows up, Wenger will tell you that he tried to sign him yeah. two years ago. Yeah, Conte. Um, and the other thing, Mbappe is, if Wenger is trying to win on a two-year plan, uh, Mbappe is, doesn't quite fit that. Um, but I think Wenger probably has more... Um, the dream scenario for Arsenal, obviously, is to bring in talent, keep mm-hmm. Sanchez and Ozil, hopefully, for that for their sake, yeah. win the Europa League, and give Wenger one last Champions League campaign yeah. as he stable like you know stabilizes the club and and probably handpicks his successor. Yeah. That would be sort of the dream scenario. Give him one last chance to lose to Zenit St. Petersburg in the round of 16. That's right. Um, when you look at what Manchester United, and that that's sort of what Manchester United decided to do about six weeks before the end of the season is Mourinho just kind of was like I think our best way back into Europe is through back into Champions League is through Europa League yep. he started playing kids during your uh, Premier League games pretty much when Zlatan got hurt I think he was like I'm going to change the way yep. that we play in the domestic competition um, I think that the best place to start would maybe be Manchester United because they're the richest team in the world they can effectively buy whoever they want yeah. I mean, it, money is no object. It's a matter of getting people to come there. Uh, they've been linked with Gareth Bale. Uh, the Guardian has them linked with Alvaro Morata. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think they need? Because I think that there's going to be the Ed Woodward transfers that are what are the biggest, the guys who can sell jerseys, and then there's yeah. what do they actually need? 
I think what they need most is someone to score because they were they were a good team overall last year. Like their underlying numbers, they saw a lot of improvement from under Van Hall. Um, and you you know we talked we've talked about this before. You've seen it. They were sort of unlucky uh, according to some stats to finish outside the top six. But the thing is, so much of their attacking production came from Zlatan, like mm-hmm. in a crazy amount of it, and we were all kind of amazed that it was happening as it was happening because he's so much older and you know there's all the the mystique of you can do it everywhere else but can you do it in the premier league um but the thing is we were so mystified by it for the reason that it ended up stopping because he's an old older player who was being relied on so heavily and you know his body wasn't able to take it um and so although to be fair He's already like yeah. Playing, I mean, let's do let, keepy ups yeah. six weeks after ACL. Exactly, surgery. exactly. He's probably going to come back and double the yeah. EPL scoring record in a season um, by only playing half the season. But the thing is, it's you know, there's a lot of teams that they can uh, weather an injury because they have the system in place that still creates attacking production um, with whoever you plug in. But that's not how Manchester United was set up this season. It was a very like star-centric, Pogba creates chances, and Ibrahimovic scores them, and he's gone now. So it's sort of a very obvious thing. You, you need someone who's going to score goals. Um, and because the defense is very good, the midfield with Pogba and Herrera seems... Stabilized. Set, very yeah. stabilized. Um, you probably need a third guy in there. Um you're not going to rely on Michael Carrick or Fellaini forever. Does he want a destroyer or does he want a creator in midfield? I think you probably want uh, like a deep-lying passer because Herrera can kind of be the destroyer and run around and then you let Pogba uh, play ahead of him. Um, but I think that it's it's a striker, someone who's going to score a ton of goals. Um, so you imagine Rashford playing kind of like off, off striker as a wing, as like a kind of a wide forward then? Yeah, I think so. Because Mourinho certainly seemed to, like, get very enamored with Rashford towards the end of the season, which I kind of, you know, for as much as we always, like, blame him for falling out with players and, you know, inexplicably kind of alienating guys, Yeah, I, I do like it when he, like, adopts a guy and is just like, I'm going to make you into Samuel Eto'o. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I think Rashford, it's, he's not, he doesn't score enough yet to lead a team like Manchester United in the way that Zlatan led the team. I, I don't know if he ever will. I think he might be sort of a wide a wide forward, mm-hmm. ultimately. Um, that's why the Morata thing is interesting, because that's what he does. He scores just sort of no frills, basically. And that doesn't seem like an Ed Woodward transfer. He's not famous. Um, he's famous in Spain, I guess, but that's it. Right. Um, so, you know, Mbappe would seem like the obvious, like, hits the marketing, um, you know, checklist. Yeah, like, he's, he's a young star that would sell jerseys and could theoretically grow to be the next great Manchester United striker. Yeah, and I, we talked about this, too. Griezmann seemed like an obvious Yeah, and that, that seemed like it was a done deal. And then tell, tell people what happened with Atletico. And then, so Atletico has a transfer ban. Um, Why do they have that? Uh they played underage players. Um, so they can't bring players in, so obviously they don't want to get rid of him. Right. Um, and he, I think, we've both said that it's a World Cup year. 
yeah. he, things are good for him there. He can wait another year. Yeah, so that's something to keep in mind across the board. I think this is a good one before we get into other uh, Premier League teams and what the, who they could be buying, is that whenever you're coming up on a World Cup year, players want playing time. Mm-hmm. And they want to have, like, because what they hate is if an international manager has a tough decision between Alexander Lacazette, um, Andre Griezmann, Drew, Benzema. I mean, there's got to be like nine other French forwards I'm not even thinking of right now. Mm-hmm. And he's got to just make this determination. He's going to pick the guys he, he sees get playing time. Right? Yeah, and it's it's it was... like James is not going to get dropped from Colombia for being on the bench at Real Madrid. Yeah, but Lacazette, Griezmann, those guys are all like competing for f- one of four spots. Well, it, that's the thing, you know. Griezmann is better than James, probably a lot of people would say, but it's the things can change so much in a year with with a team like France, where the roster is so stacked. If Griezmann goes somewhere, gets hurt, or doesn't succeed, yeah, and like Lock- if Jose's like if Jose's like I don't like the way you yeah. don't track back enough, yeah, you know, um, it's like that's it. You can see that happening. Yeah. It ha- he doesn't like, care, and he does not care how much money they spend on Mkhitaryan. Barely played for the first three months of the season, despite you know being their big attacking midfielder signing. Um, and it's like these other like three other guys blow up. And with France, it's like we've seen it. We see it every year. There's always like one French player who essentially comes out of nowhere and has yeah. an incredible season, and right. you don't write him off. So right. it seems crazy because Griezmann's you know one of the most important players on France, but like one bad year and it can kind of throw you off right. big time. So keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on players wanting to. I you know this is money speak money money does all the talking you need but when you're looking at a guy like Kylian Mbappe and you see him tie uh, you know there's there's a rumor about a 135 million euro offer from Real yeah to Monaco for him um, I don't really see how they could do that while keeping the forward line that they have for one yeah. thing. Um, but furthermore, Mbappe is going to have to decide, if I go to Real, I'm going to be behind Bale, Ronaldo, and Benzema, mm-hmm. theoretically. Yeah. And that's not a great look for an 18-year-old who was basically the focal point of the Monaco offense, at least in Champions League. Yeah, I mean, Mbappe stays at Monaco for another year. He'll be at the World Cup, Yeah. Um, maybe even starting. But there's also the chance that he breaks his leg, and then he's set back a year the money he could have made him in Madrid maybe disappears. Um, I think the thing with Real Madrid, as we've seen, like the only thing that kind of unsettled the team after they won the Champions League in 2014 was that they signed James and he, the way the team was playing was much a much better fit for Angel Di Maria. But yeah. James was the guy they signed, so they had to play him. Um, basically for marketing purposes and it kind of threw things off for a little bit and I think if if Mbappe comes in for that much money I think it's Benzema's probably on the outs more than anything I know Benzema would be like a really good Arsenal signing I feel like we've been talking about that for 15 years (laughs) Um, okay so we've talked about Manchester United a little bit you feel like they need a striker let's let's talk a little bit about Tottenham because Uh, you know they've been linked with Douglas Costa, which would be to me like I know he had a, a, a down year in Bayern, but when he played under Pep, and to see him, to see somebody that athletic with Kane and Ollie would be yeah. so cool, and he seems like a perfect Pochettino player. Um, but here's the thing, Tottenham traditionally does not pay very high wages. I don't even yeah. think they have a six figure 
a week salary right now, despite the star power that is emerging on their team. And they are also in a very weird spot where they are going to be playing their home matches at Wembley. Yeah. Correct? Mm-hmm. And they, I think, have gotten better at Wembley, but have often had trouble there. This is like a really weird Tottenham year. You know what yeah. I mean? Like on a, across, if you asked me, you know, I, they would actually be my favorites to win the league next year mm-hmm. just because I think Deli Ali is, is in the process of becoming like one of the three or four best midfielders in Europe. Yeah. But it's a, it's a really tricky year and it's a really tricky time because Daniel Levy typically does not go out and buy the 70 million dollars, 70 million pound guy. No, the only time he sort of spends a lot is when they sell one of their superstars. And then um, buys a bunch of 25 to 35 yeah, guys. and it takes a couple of years, and then they're back here where they are. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because at the same time, it's like you look at Tottenham and you almost see, at least in their starting 11, <clears throat> you see probably the fewest weaknesses, right, of yeah. any team. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the thing. It's like you need you need depth, um, especially if they're going to try to advance farther in the Champions League than they did this year. Um, that would be the one, I guess, criticism you'd have of the team this year. It's like they spent a ton of money on Sissoko from Newcastle last yeah. summer, and he like was essentially a net negative, basically. I don't know what he provided to the team this season. Um, so I think with them, it's another they need... I guess it depends how they feel about Vincent Janssen. He, you know, it takes a while to adjust to the Premier League, but he looked really bad. They need um, like a real striker backup for for Kane. Yeah, a real alter- guy who pushes him and could play League Cup games, could play yeah. FA Cup games. Well, and so that's kind of, but that's sort of a tough thing, right? It's like what really pretty good striker wants to come in under that situation, you right. know? Um, right. Especially if they're not paying the wages, you know, like Man City. It's like. I'm going to be a backup, but I'm going to be so rich. Right. Um, See, right. I mean, like, you know, they would be, this is, this is sort of one of this, you know, this is a good, that's a good question because here, given the fact that they finished in the top four last two years, they almost won the league this year. Mm-hmm. They have two of the best players in England, the best defense in England, right? Yeah. Um, you'd say like, oh, maybe Casper Dolberg from Ajax. Yeah. You know, go get, the guy who's going to make the move to Tottenham before he becomes Luis Suarez, you know, like yeah. the guy who's like one team away from being one of the top 15 players in the world. Yeah. But at the same time, Tottenham's kind of like where Arsenal were about five years ago. Yeah. Where now they are also playing defense. They have to protect mm-hmm. their core. And they, the more time they spend in Europe and the more time they spend on international television and the more people who are like, oh man, Dele Alli's actually like really good. Yeah. He's like Steven Gerrard good. Yeah. It's going to be harder to keep Dyer and Alderweireld yeah. and um, even Erickson. Mm-hmm. You know, all these guys. One of them is going to get picked off. Yeah, without a doubt. If 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 Barca or Man City or Man United or Real Madrid or PSG mm-hmm. really knocks on the door hard. Yeah, and it's so the the there are two ways to look at it, right? It's like you can look at the Tottenham roster and see how settled it is and see how young everyone is and be like this team is set for yeah, yeah. the next 10 years. This is that's, the thunder. That's not how yeah. it works. So it's like maybe the way you have to look at it is this team was good enough to win the Premier League last year. They, If they play as well as they did this year next year, they could easily win the Premier League. Yeah. So considering that, do you surround them with like a couple older guys who are going to help the team over the next 
however many years you have that core. Do you have like somebody in mind when you're talking like about an older guy? Like who who would you say? Well, I mean, Douglas Costa is a good yeah. example because yeah. like, he's someone you can get. He's someone who had a weird season with a new manager, so maybe he's a little On undervalued. A team just, just like so much competition a ton of talent. for places. Yeah. And Douglas Costa, it's very easy to picture him on Tottenham. Yeah. Like one of those guys who looks like he's like being pulled by a rubber band down the field, and that's like how Tottenham plays. Um, so it, it, it's weird to think like we have such a young team and now we're going to bring in a couple proven players to surround them. But I think that's probably, if they want to make a run for the title, that's what you do, right? Because you don't know how long Pochettino is going to stay. It's weird to run a team and be like, we feel like we have an expiration date. We don't feel like everyone is going to stay, is quote-unquote committed. But like that that's, seems like the reality of it. Yeah. I think if, they, if they're smart, they'll... Not not to put too fine a point on it for Spurs fans, but they'll do what Arsenal did, which is sort of allow a little bit of control bleeding. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, like you got let Man City overpay for Kyle Walker. Yeah, you know what I mean. You could probably find a replacement, if not a cheaper, younger version of him. You know, yeah. they have some good fullbacks, uh, but they can't lose that sp- anybody from the spine of the team. It seems like everyone, like Erickson, um. Like that would be just such an, a hard thing to replace because yeah. of all the things he does for them. Kane, obviously, same thing. He's just scoring all the time. Deli Ali, I don't know who there is basically in the world that does similar stuff to him. That is like that can be that much of an attacker for from the midfield. Um, you know, Musa Dembele is such a unique player. Alderweireld is like basically holds the team together. It seems like those are the guys you have to protect and you do you know you're right it's like if you have one guy on your team who you feel like is being overvalued by the rest of the world then you it's the it's the Bakari Sanya Kyle Clichy Alexander yeah Alexander's Um, one guy I think that Tottenham could go after who I think could help Mm -hmm. Um, they would have to pay a fair amount of money but they've been linked with uh, Moussa Dembele from Celtic now they were named Moussa Dembele from the Belgian midfielder yeah. is great. Uh, and I think they could probably actually use mm-hmm. someone like him in that role, yeah. like to back him up because mm-hmm. he has a tendency to break down. But Moussa Dembele could play on the wing. Moussa Dembele can score goals. Super athletic. Um, that would be the kind of level of guy that I would target if I were them. That seems realistic. And I don't know, maybe you, maybe you can promise him like, Harry Kane might be leaving uh, at some point. I mean, I think you can promise him Champions League football past the qualifying round. Yeah, and I think... Past the group stages. I think he's close enough that you can be like, you have a chance to break into this front three. Yeah. Maybe you'll you'll play He's coming off a treble for Celtic, so it's not like he's got unfinished business in Scotland. Yeah, Um, this is true. And, uh, yeah, so I think that that would be a good move for him. Okay, so... Uh, we've talked a little bit about Arsenal. We've talked a little bit about Manchester United. We've talked about Tottenham. Let's talk about the teams in blue, uh, Chelsea and City. So let's start with City because they obviously have the financial weight to just do what they want, much like Manchester United. But they have the sort of extra level of aesthetics that they have to satisfy yeah. that comes with Guardiola, who I'm kind of surprised that we're like... I read quite a few concern trolling pieces about Guardiola at the end of the year, really kind of like saying, you know, 
this is the first time he's ever ended a season without trophies mm-hmm. and you know maybe it's harder than he thought it was going to be in England and he doesn't quite have the same zip to his like persona as it yeah. did where he was just sort of treated like a Buddha mm-hmm. in Spain and, and Germany um, that being said City's really good they played really well down the stretch I wonder whether they would have been even closer to Chelsea if they had had uh, Gabriel Jesus for the whole yeah the whole season and I don't really know like they have to rebuild their defense although I would say that playing defense for Guardiola is very hard yeah so every, all center backs are going to look a little exposed what do you think that they need to, to get because they can afford it it's I, so you mentioned Bernardo Silva and that that to me is sort of he's very good I think but it's they have so many very good attacking midfielders that right. it's just depth and it's weird to think of depth for however much they paid over 30 million pounds um so that is that's not he's not taking the team to another level he maybe wins you an extra point or two because when someone gets hurt he's playing they're um probably going to sign ederson from benfica and break the record for a keeper um and they they clearly need a keeper um we ran a piece on our website in defense of Claudio Bravo after the Manchester Dar- Derby, yeah. um, talking about how well he played with his feet and what sort of that unlocked for City's potential and how that outweighed the occasional mistake he would make, but that that wasn't accounting for him sort of just like losing all feeling in his hands for yeah. the rest of the season, right? And he was just like a bad shot stopper, and he had never been that in the past, and that was City's like City gave up. Not a lot of chances, but when they gave up chances, they were reasonably high quality. So you need a guy who can stop a shot stopper. Um, And finding, I guess, a shot stopper combined with the guy with the foot skills is difficult. And I think that's what they see with Ederson. So if if he works out, that that's a big upgrade from what happened this past. There's Manuel Neuer, and then there's you know exactly then it gets dicey after that. Willie Caballero (laughs) was uh, their starting keeper at the end of the season. so that um, it checks that off. Do they have any fullbacks that you can re- consistently rely on at this point? I don't think so. Um, it's weird to think considering how much money they have, but yeah, they essentially have no real fullbacks on the roster right now. They no. Clichy's gone, Zabaleta's gone, Sonia's gone. Jesus Navas was playing fullback last season, and he's gone. Okay, um, that those two, the two clauses of that sentence basically tell you everything. So they've um, been linked with. They've been linked with Kyle Walker, obviously. Walker, Benjamin Mendy from Monaco, yeah. um, who looked incredible. Uh, Ivy, Alexandro from Juventus, which would be incredible for them. But And I guess maybe seems possible, um, but seems weird to think of. I think City what Pep Guardiola needs is a little bit of good old-fashioned British steel. Who do you have in mind? I don't know. Maybe bring Milner back. <laughs> <laughs> Milner, we're going to sp- have a whole summer of James Milner telling us that he didn't want to play yeah. fullback, but is d- willing to help the team. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I, I think that one thing watching Guardiola last year is and watching his teams, and I think watching a lot of those teams at high press is that like, they're beatable. Yeah. You know, and, the, and if you put your, your, your defensive line is up around the center circle, they can get dogged, man. Like it's mm-hmm. really it's it's tough. Like I think that counterattacking football has gotten so good and so sharp yeah. that if you're gonna put you know your center backs that far from goal, mistakes will be made. Yeah, it's like we like playing for Barcelona, especially when Pep was there. 
required such a specific kind of player, right? Like you couldn't just sign any quote unquote star and plug them in. You had to be able to play a certain way, be flexible to a certain degree. Um, so now it's the same thing at Man City, but like it's Man City and not Barcelona, you know? So I think there's, you're still, City can get most players they want, but I don't think they have sort of the pick of the litter in the way that Barcelona yeah. still does. Um, because you can win the Champions League if you go to Barcelona City. That's sort of a far-off dream, at least it seems like it currently. Right. Um, so Maybe he should buy Mares and uh, Riyad Mares and convert him to a fullback. Yeah, I think I think that's that's what Mares seems like the kind of guy who's just dying to uh, play fullback. <laughs> yeah, he's the rich man's Jesus Navas. Yeah, um, and their center backs don't seem great. Well, they're right? not healthy. Yeah, yeah, and they need. A reliable midfielder like they Gundogan you can't rely on him to stay healthy I don't think at this point he's incredible when he's healthy Fernandinho still great but always gets red cards yeah um, Yaya Torres is somehow still on the team so they have a lot of work to do those are not inexpensive positions no, to fill. I those mean, the... you know I when I would think about City and I was just thinking about their forward line with Sané Jesus coming back De Bruyne uh, David Silva Sterling they still have Aguero yep. Sterling it's criminal, almost, that we're not talking about these guys being the champions of England. Yeah. And I think what Pep really, really needs, and to some extent this is the, the holy grail for all the top teams, with the exception, I guess, of Chelsea. Um, yeah. And maybe Man U, because Manchester United has Baye. And I'd say his, Tottenham, too. Yeah, and Tottenham. But the, the stud center back who is basically going to settle your team for the foreseeable future. The Rio Ferdinand guy who comes in and you're just like, I guess we're just going to be good for 10 years. Yeah. You know? Um, and that was something that Saul Campbell did for Arsenal. That's mm-hmm. something that I think, even to some extent, now to a much lesser extent, not a trophy winning extent, but Murder Sacker at Arsenal, like, settled that defense yeah. for a while. He and Koscielny were like, that was like, Arsenal's defense sucked for a while. Yeah. And they really came in and like, and like locked it down a little bit. Yeah. It's the the Lovren effect at Liverpool. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I mean, like, and look how many titles we've won since Lovren came through. Um, not every guy is going to be Sergio Ramos, nor yeah. do you really want him to be. I mean, Ramos makes mistakes too, but yeah. like, that. That quality, that having the Chiellini, having the Ramos, having the Rio Ferdinand, having mm-hmm. the, uh, I don't know, having having that guy who's just the absolute rock last line defender is something that's just so important, especially as more and more managers switch to a three at the back yeah. and the center backs are responsible for a, a whole different element of yeah. the game. So I think that who Pep buys this summer and the department of the game in which he is maybe least concerned. Yeah. I don't know if that's a fair assessment, but it does seem like he's been incredibly lucky to have the defenders he's had in the first place. PK, Puyol, then later Boateng, and the variety of guys that they had. um, uh, You know, Alaba. You Mm -hmm. know, like all the guys that he had at at Bayern. um, To to go in and he's basically got a, a lot of expensive and or injured center backs who can't play style football. They probably are going to have to spend 120 million pounds minimum on their defense. Yeah, well it's like as we're talking about this, you wonder how many guys can sort of play the position that position for Pep, like in the world, how many of them exist. And it's like Boateng, Hummels, Javi Martinez are all at Bayern. Zuma. 
Zuma take take him off of uh, Chelsea's hands. Yeah. Um, John Terry, obviously, but who knows where, where he's headed. John Terry would have to stand next to the keeper. In fact, I think John Terry should stand behind the keeper in a, in a Manchester City defense. <laughs> that would be, it would be incredible to see uh, John Terry playing for Pep. They'd be able to write a whole another set of uh, Pep books. Okay, so City needs a defense. Chelsea won the title. Could have like felt like they had won the title in January, but mm-hmm. you know formalized it only at the end of the season because Tottenham's late pushed. Um, lost the FA Cup, not the end of the world. Yeah. Going to going into Champions League again, Conte uh, probably benefited from just knowing the 14 or 15 guys he was going to play mm-hmm. at any given moment. You know, he just had his starting lineup, and then he had Fabregas and William uh, and, and Batashui off the bench, even though Batashui wasn't that good. Played all right at the end of the season. Yeah, at the end of the season, he played pretty well. Um, Costa, it's been, you know, he was, it was like a done deal that he was going to China. And then it was like he's going back to Atletico. And now I feel like he's sort of saying he wants to stay at Chelsea. I can't keep up with yeah. his progress. Um, he seems to have different things to say than his agents, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, for Chelsea, though, this is an interesting catch 22. Part of the reason why they were so successful this year is everybody knew what they were supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Once they switched the formation, it was just like everybody's job crystallized, right? But you're going to need depth, and you're going to need quality depth, and they can afford it. Yeah. Do they go out and buy a bunch of guys, whether it's like paying paying for the the best player on the 10th best team in England, you know, like whether it's buying Lukaku or buying you know whoever? Or, and this is the same thing goes for Manchester City, radical idea here, I know. Do they bring up some kids? Because this is sort of the un... We stopped talking about this, like, two years ago. Yeah. Where I think, like, it used to be, like, oh, man, like, Barca's academy or Liverpool's academy or, you know, these kids coming up. And it used to be one of the most romantic parts about European football was, like, Mm -hmm. these groups of academy players who would be coming up through the ranks and break in late in a season and then take over the next season and you know, whether it was like the Arsenal classes of like Theo Walcott and Jack Wilshire, or whether, you know, the Tottenham's had like groups of young, great young players come through, mm-hmm. and they're really like thriving off of that right now. Yeah. Although they bought a lot of those guys from different teams. We haven't had like this sort of like great academy class come through for any of these top teams. Chelsea has like 60 players on their books all over Europe and in different divisions of England. Mm-hmm. If Tammy Abram just like destroying the championship, yep. I, am I crazy to just think that they should just promote Tammy Abram? Not that I just spent like a ton of time watching Bristol. I'm just saying, like, I watch YouTube like the next guy, but that seems like a much cheaper option than spending 40 million on. On Murata or, or like more. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be cheaper, but one, I don't think Chelsea really cares about that. Two, Conte didn't seem really willing to play uh, Batshuayi mm-hmm. much this year, um, so I don't know how willing he would be to play another youngster. Um, and the other thing is, it's like you're still taking a chance with Tammy Abraham, right? Like his stats all look pretty good. The tape looks incredible, um, but it's still you st- still just don't know. You yeah. don't know how it's going to translate. He's still just doing it to Norwich. Yeah. So it's like if you can buy a proven goal scorer, whether it's Lukaku, um, who today said he has an agreement with a team, but did not say what team. Okay. Um, presumably not Everton um, would be the only 
uh, thing I could say. Um, if you have a chance to buy that guy, one, you're getting a guy who's proven, but two, it's like you talked about earlier, you're getting a guy that someone else could have gotten. Like yeah. Chelsea seems to do that more in the past than any other team. Like the Mohamed Salah thing where they barely played him, but they knew Liverpool were going after him and they kept... Quadrado kept too, right? Quadrado. Um, they've done it with a ton of people and they, they can They're do it. They're basically like... Yeah, buying to block the progress of another team. Exactly. Um, and to incrementally improve themselves, um, I think. it's Ideally, these young players for them are blossoming into Chelsea-worthy players, but that's the thing with these youth systems that I think... I think my theory is that the quality of soccer at these teams has like exponentially shot up in recent years in terms of the starting like the the yeah and how what what's required of you going back to what we were saying about center backs so it's so hard to develop a player that's good enough to play for one of these teams these teams chelsea is incredible at developing players that are very good professional level level players but they're just not chelsea level players but they're like the starter on swansea yeah so there's like 0.00001% 0.00001% of the soccer playing population is good enough to play for Chelsea. Sure. Right? So it's so hard to get a guy to that level. So it's like they're bringing in these young kids, loaning them out, getting them better, and then selling them for way more that they brought them in for. So um, it's basically an investment rather than like one yeah. day will be self-sustaining. It's not really an investment. Which is, which is the idea. Yeah. And then also, I mean, one of the things that happens is like a consequence of this is and this is going to be an interesting test for Manchester United because the two things that Manchester United under Ferguson always said about themselves mm-hmm. was we promote youth and we play attractive football, right? Yeah. And under Mourinho, the football's fine. Yeah. And they don't promote youth. Yeah. Now, they I think promote he, youth when the games don't matter and right. Mourinho has to put right. someone on the field. But considering the um, you know, the amount of people that are the Manchester United like academy that's so vaunted. Yeah. They haven't really done that. They'd rather go out and buy Mkhitaryan and Herrera yeah. or buy and sell Schneiderlin than give anybody in their academy a chance at playing a midfield. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting test for a lot of these teams. I guess once you become a global brand, nobody really cares if you're playing your academy players or not. No. But I think it does matter to some t- some fan bases. Yeah, more than I others. mean I think people are excited about Rashford in like sure. a way that probably exceeds how good he actually is yeah um that's but, an interesting point yeah um okay let's uh do a quick bit about liverpool virgil van dyke has somewhat publicly stated that liverpool is his preference yeah the which gar- makes this the annual southampton to liverpool transfer story yeah exactly we still they still haven't learned their lesson um yeah Who? The, <laughs> liverpool or southampton <laughs> uh, i think southampton knows exactly what they're doing yes um yeah i would say liverpool so. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's like this has been reported by The Guardian. It, it, so it seems Andy Hunter, real. who's like a really yeah. pretty connected Liverpool writer. Um, and this is going back to what we said. It's They would be spending like a record amount of money on a center back. 60 million. A club record, like shattering the club record. Yeah. Uh, shattering the Andy Carroll ceiling. Yeah. The Andy Carroll-shaped ceiling. Yeah. Um, I think that was what led to one of Andy Carroll's bending knee injuries of yeah. shattering himself on the ceiling. I, I agree. Um, so they're doing that, and it's, you know, ideally it's you're just throwing all this money at this somewhat problematic position, and it's going to 
set your team up for the next five to 10 years. But one, there were like 12 pieces written about how Dan Lovren was the next Jamie Carragher mm-hmm. when Liverpool signed him, and he's just not. He makes a ton of mistakes. Right. He's also, um, you know, we always say this about quarterbacks, so they play under a lot of offensive coordinators. I feel like Dan Lovren has had to deal with a couple of different yeah. like defensive systems. That's true, and he's, he's definitely gotten much better from the first season. Yeah. But still, probably not quite the level you want from that player. So... He did score that header against Dorman, though. That's true. He's a legend for that. <laughs> um, I have a tattoo of him on my back. <laughs> um, I, I don't, um, for anyone who thought I was serious. Uh, but the thing is, Southampton plays a very... They're very good defensively, but they play a super deep line. Um, and Liverpool does literally the exact opposite He plays that. a little bit higher for the Netherlands. That's true. Based um, on the like 10 minutes of YouTube yeah. videos of Netherlands. The Netherlands watched. has been uh, crushing it recently yeah. in international competition. Yeah. Um, He's got a little bit of De Jong in him. There's yeah. like a great compilation of him just like going in high on dudes. No, he's, <laughs> he's, awesome. he's awesome to watch. Like can take free kicks. Yeah. Is super aggressive. Um, but it still seems like a big risk. But the, I guess the larger point is that if Liverpool get him, they're presumably he's picking Liverpool over Chelsea and Manchester City, right. which seems like a pretty big deal. Yeah, I think for the exact reason is I'm sure Klopp goes to him and says you will start yeah. in Champions League matches, mm-hmm. and you will you will. I mean, I honestly think that he could be the captain in a couple of seasons. Yeah, and if he goes to Chelsea. If he goes to Manchester City, there's just a lot of like, well, they could get bored of you in a season or half a season, and then they would just spend sixty million on another yeah, guy. Yeah, the churn at both of those places is so obvious. Also, and the sentimentality is. I mean, I, just, I think that when Liverpool gets, and this is the same thing for Tottenham, when they get the money up to buy a guy, yeah, they're not as quick to just be like, man, we fucked up. So yeah. we got to go get another guy. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have the money to do that. So that's why I think that they, you know, they, they could afford Clavin last season, and yeah. now they can afford something a little bit more. And I think that they probably feel like if they tighten up their defense, they can score goals with anybody. Yeah. If they keep that front front line yeah. relatively intact. That was the issue last year. Okay, before we go, let's do our dream transfers for the summer. So this is... Uh, it's not necessarily a rumor. It's not necessarily realistic, but it's the perfect marriage of player and team. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to go first, talking about Liverpool. Uh, okay, this is a, this is one that I think is a storyline. Not only is this something that I personally want to see happen, but I think it would be a great story for the game, both in Europe but in, in America too, is for uh, Christian Pulisic to go to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, do they need him? Maybe not. You know what I mean? Maybe that's not a creative attacking midfielder guy who could also play deeper. Yeah. I don't think we know what Christian Pulisic is going to be yet. He's that good and he's that young. But he's somebody who's at least got some familiarity with the way Klopp likes to play football by being a Bruce or Dortmund. And he's clearly an elite talent. Mm -hmm. I think that um, for him to be on a team that's already very popular in the States would do just would just raise his profile in yeah. a pretty organic way. I think he would be really good on Liverpool. Yeah, and um, that would be I, just, I. That's the kind of player that if if they were going to do a Manchester, that was that would be their Manchester United buy. That would yeah. be one where it would just be like, if we buy this guy, the shirt sales are going to pay for the transfer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, there was rumors of this back in January, right? And it seemed like it made sense for Pulisic to be like, I'm good, I'm starting for Dortmund, I have this awesome coach, right. we're in the Champions League. He's starting to even, like, despite Marco Royce 
Oh yeah, Usman's and Belay. Yep, Patrice, like uh, Sherla, Patrick Obermeyer. You know, like all these guys. I am like a focal point of the attack. Yeah, and uh, the team I'm on is better than Liverpool. Um, and now Tuchel's gone, and Liverpool are in the Champions League. Yeah. So it's and Klopp can offer you a thing that's rare, I think, in professional soccer that he's going to be at the club for the next the near-ish future, right? Mm-hmm. Like, other places, no manager can really say, I'm going to be here right. for this long, but the club is committed to him, and he's committed to the club. Um, and Dortmund, that's not the case um, anymore. So right. I think... And the other thing for Liverpool is, like... I love Dortmund. I love watching them play. Same. But their level and their kind of stability seems like more like Sevilla, yeah. where they're going to have a manager every two years than it does... Exactly. You know someplace like Manchester United or Liverpool. Well, and just because even for no other reason that like it's it gets frustrating to lose your best players yeah, every year. Absolutely. Um, but the Pulisic would you know, he would he start for Liverpool right away? Probably not. And especially with like this Mohamed Salah from Roma. So you would play him on the wing? Yeah, I think you can play anywhere attacking center mid or out on the wing. Um he's but he that's the kind of transfer that Liverpool probably has to kind of make. You get a guy who looks like he has the potential to become like a legitimate superstar, but you buy him when he's still kind of young, mm-hmm. so you're not paying a premium, then he turns into this... That's what they did with Suarez. Exactly. Yeah. Um, sort of Sterling, too, even though he got bought, really, before totally reaching that. You apex. buy Sanchez when he's at Udinese. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like making the buy... You pay a little bit more than you want, but you get the guy before he goes to one of the big five clubs. Yeah, it's like what they did with... Emery Chan, but it's a slightly a yeah. higher profile. And you hope that you can, by getting enough of those guys and winning enough games and getting into enough yeah. Champions Leagues, you get back to being one of those top five, six clubs in the world. Yeah. What's your dream transfer? Dream transfer is Wayne Rooney to Arsenal. You're Drop fucking, him back to the midfield wild. and have him just solidify, take over for Sandy Gazorla. Is that really yours? I mean, in my mind, that would be the, I would be so happy if that happened. Um, but my, my dream. Take over for <laughs> He my, is the scout Santi Cazorla, though. It's it's so true. Yeah. Um, I think my dream, uh, my dream transfer would be. It would just be awesome if like Mbappe actually went to like Borussia Dortmund, and just like took a slight next step up and just like played under this super intense attacking system. And just like killed people. Um, is there uh, the IX guy? Is he going to play the same sort of intense count like pressing game? He, I think he's even more like quote unquote reckless than oh. Tuchel, Tuchel is. More like Klopp is a little like I think that Tuchel was supposed to be more conservative than Klopp. Yeah, right? I mean this guy's like he's deep IX total football like intense, just like maybe more so than any of the managers at the top clubs um that's pretty exciting and it would just be it would just be the Mbappe thing is not going to happen but it would be fun to see Dortmund sort of sign someone who other big teams were going after and them win out on that and have a guy that just came in and just like lit lit the league on fire yeah. um, right away rather than having to wait a couple years. Okay, well, we'll check back in in a little while to go over some of the transfers as they start going through. Until then, thanks for listening to Soccer Pod. Thanks, guys.